0: everybody welcome back to the last symptom i'm brian barnett the creator and host of the last symptom it's thursday already can you believe it having a hard time believing it man i'll tell you what the weeks just fly by don't they i hope you folks have been having a pretty good week i uh am having a pretty good week it's rainy tonight and so this uh year i planted how many trees did I plant? One, two, three, four, five. I planted five trees this year, and for those trees to get established and to get a really nice start for their roots to start growing into the soil, and so that they can become independent, you know, <laughs> I uh, I got to water them pretty regular regularly. <laughs> And uh so that takes up a pretty good portion of my evenings going around with the water hose, making sure that my dependent trees get plenty of water and so forth. So the rain tonight is very welcome because it's saving it saved me a ton of uh work tonight. I love trees, by the way. And I don't know if it's just because I grew up in the Appalachian backwoods or what, but the next time you're out, let's say at noon, somewhere driving around, I dare you to try to find a place an easy place where you can just park the car in some shade. I guarantee it'll be a lot harder than you think it is at noon on a bright sunny you know scorching day. it's just impossible to find shade and I was riding with my daughter the other day, and we come up to this field where they had just built a bank and some other things. I I can't remember exactly what what they built there, but I do remember there's a a bank there. And she said, Daddy, that kind of looks like the tree that you planted. So I look over, and where they have this new bank, you know, banking center, and uh, they had planted some trees around the, the, the bank. Now, here's what I told my daughter. I said, honey, just a couple years ago, that field there was full of trees. So, what did they do? They cut down all the trees, perfectly good trees, cut them all down, completely stripped this field bare, and then planted new trees. Does that make sense to you, honey? Now, she's six. She's on the verge of turning seven she says that don't make no sense to me daddy why would they do that i said honey your guess is as good as mine but i would probably you know if i had to guess say that it's cheaper for them to just cut down these perfectly beautiful trees and plant new ones than it is for them to build you know to make their building plan conform to what is already there and uh just drives me nuts just drives me nuts Um, when I was uh, really suffering financially going through my borderline personality disorder crisis and I was driving from my apartment in New England to the hospital where I was working which was about an hour and a half away and then it was an hour and a half drive back a lot of times I would practically live out of my truck because it was cheaper uh, than me spending all that gas every single day driving an hour and a half there hour and a half back to the apartment and on the scor- you know scorching days it was just impossible to find shade the only shade I could find had to be uh, man-made so I'd have to find a parking garage somewhere and that's not safe it's, not, it's also not pleasant you also don't know if you're going to get run out of there and it just... Uh, Completely contrary to what makes sense to me. I, I love trees. My next door neighbor, when I moved in to this place, I was doing some searching on Google Earth just to check out the neighborhood and everything. And he had two enormous, beautiful trees. And uh, by the time I moved in, I said, uh, "Hey, Roger, what what happened to your trees? Didn't you have some beautiful trees out here?" He said, "Yeah, I did." He said they got diseased or got old or something. I had to have them cut down. And he's never put anything else there. He has not one tree in his entire yard. I don't understand that. And so I'm just planting trees left and right. You know, there's so many benefits to it, especially since the summer's just getting hotter and hotter. If you have a tree to shade your house, just think of what you save on your air conditioner bill. You know the the electric bill to run your air conditioner every summer. Just one tree that provides shade for just half of the day would profoundly cut the cost of your electric bill because your air conditioner don't have to run so hard to keep your house cool. So, gotten off onto a little tangent there, but uh, that's I, I love trees and and it kills me to see how. In fact, if I could get a movement started to talk people out of out of shopping anywhere where they don't include lots of trees in their construction plan, you know, for example, if you go to a uh, grocery shopping and their parking lot does not allow for, let's say, thirty trees, fifty trees, a hundred trees, if I could talk people out of shopping there at all, I would. Because it's doable. It's doable. Let's see. This week, believe it or not, I learned something from Michael Jackson. Do you, do you know who Michael Jackson is? He was this guy who uh, sang and danced and uh, was pretty popular. Michael Jackson, you've probably not heard of him because... Uh, He was only uh, known by about 99% of the world. So, but if you have heard of him, this Michael Jackson guy that I keep talking about, um, I was reading an article about his daughter, Paris. And so, through Paris, I learned something about parenting, believe it or not, that I thought that is really good. I've never thought of that. So, again I don't remember how I come across this article about Paris Jackson but she was talking about how her dad even though as rich as he is and as wealthy as he was and as privileged as she was to grow up in that family she said she didn't she didn't get anything given to her when they were kids and she would see a toy that she wanted or something she'd say daddy daddy I want that toy Michael Jackson would tell her Okay, Paris, you can have that toy, but you got to read five books first. Isn't that nice? I think that's really nice. And so Paris Jackson did not grow up just assuming that she was entitled to things. And also, the trade-off, you know, the thing that she had to do to quote-unquote earn that toy was something really good for her. It, it was something really good for her health. Her intellectual health, her emotional health, you know, expanded and broadened her perceptions and understanding of the world. And uh, so I wanted to share that with you. What year did Michael Jackson die? Uh, It was 2005 uh, or something like that. So all these years later, I learned something from a dead man, a famous dead man. And it wasn't dancing or singing. Had nothing to do with dancing or singing, had to do with parenting well, so uh you know I don't know how you feel about Michael Jackson personally in my family. It was something that my mom and I bonded over. I thought I recognized his genius, and that was just well, I was really taken by that and um and my mom loved Michael Jackson, and so it was something that my mother and I. Bonded over. I remember when specials would come on TV. It was just uh, even. Keep in mind, our TV only got reception on three channels, and it only got reception for the times where we didn't really care whether we were watching TV or not. That's all. Because we only had an antenna. We just used an antenna that stuck up from our chimney, our wood stove chimney, and uh, when we really want to see something. Boy, you could bet that that was the time that the reception go out, and my mom would send me out there, and I would climb up on the roof, and I'd be turning that antenna, waiting for my mom to say, "There it is, there it is." And sometimes it wasn't great. Sometimes you just you get the best you can you could you could possibly get, and you just stop right there because you wouldn't want to mess it up any anymore. But any time there was uh, Michael Jackson on the TV, that was something that my mom and I enjoyed watching and bond, bonding over so like I said I don't know how you feel about him I personally I don't believe any of the accusations against him but that's a whole different discussion you know once we get into that discussion it could go on forever and ever and ever I will say this I purposely did not watch the uh, special Leave a Neverland and I'll tell you why because it, <clears throat> Any argument that is made one-sided, that there, where there's no rebuttal, can convince you. It, it it's persuasive. So anytime you're in a situation where you can't hear a rebuttal, I would say your guard should go up. And that's the, that was the situation with this ne- uh, leave a Neverland. You see, in the past, any time that these things were tried, uh, this issue with Michael Jackson and you know these alleged things that he did which i don't believe for for a second he did i just think he was a gullible very easy target for hucksters but that's not here nor there what i'm saying is that in the past when those things were heard and argued you got to hear the rebuttal didn't you yes you got to hear this side and you got to hear that side You got to hear the arguments in full on both sides, and you got to come to a conclusion. Now that the man's dead, it seems awfully convenient to me that you'd get uh, these people coming out of the woodwork and giving one argument where the man is not around to present a rebuttal. Beware of those sorts of things. Uh, I was listening to somebody talk the other day, and he was talking about this documentary that has to do uh, with... uh, the fidelity of elections here in the United States he says I'm going to watch the documentary but he says I'll tell you this anybody who watches the documentary and on the merits of the documentary alone reaches a conclusion and believes everything in that documentary is a fool and he said the reason for that is there's no rebuttal it, it's the whole reason why, in the judicial setting, court cases are as they are, because both sides get to present a case. And you'll notice that every documentary you watch is terribly convincing. It is just terribly convincing. So it's, it's the fool who watches a documentary and say, well, I believe everything. I'm convinced of everything, because there's no, there's no rebuttal. If you're going to watch the documentary, you have to wait and see what the other side has to say before you reach your conclusion. Now, I'm not saying that the documentary is wrong. I'm not saying that this documentary about elections and stuff is wrong. Um, I'm not saying that that any one-sided story is wrong. I'm just saying that only a fool allows himself or herself to completely be persuaded and to believe in everything there without waiting to hear the other side. Wait to hear the other side. You might still conclude that the documentary has it right, but it's not emotionally or intellectually honest or wise to reach that conclusion before you've heard the rebuttal. Like I say... It's the whole reason why the court system is set up the way it is. Um, And if you ever find yourself in a situation, think about that, where somebody says one thing about you, it's happened to me, where somebody says, hey, one thing about this guy, one thing about you. Let's say they say one thing about you, and you've got this one party saying all these things about you, and you're sitting there like you have not had your chance to explain yourself. But everybody's believing them? How would you feel about that? Well, the principle of the thing is, you if you would appreciate being able to tell your side of the thing, then you have to apply that principle in other circumstances as well. Documentaries are an excellent example of that. Last week, I brought up Methuselah at the risk of alienating my atheist followers i hope you folks know that i really appreciate you i respect you we don't share the same conclusions on life i do believe there is a god i do believe that the bible is the word of god but i respect that you're out there you atheist listeners or you agnostic listeners or you or you listeners who believe in some other book other than the bible i know you're out there I love you all. I respect you. I really honestly do. But, you know, this is this is my show. And I'm revealing things about myself all the time. When I reveal things about myself, I hope you don't take it as like, well, he's just totally cutting me out of the conversation. That's not my point at all. Not my intention at all. But I do have listeners who, who do value the Bible and who are God-fearing. And um, and I have to uh, address their real concerns every once in a while too, and, and speak to things that are important to them every once in a while too. Not meant to isolate you folks um, or what's the word I'm looking for. Give off this this notion that uh, that I'm not constantly aware that you are there and that I don't respect you. I like that my audience and I have a really nice um, level of respect. I've appreciated the respect that you've shown me, and of course I want to continue showing that for you too. I remember in one one of the live Last Symptom Fundamentals courses, which were a lot more expensive than the pre-recorded versions that are available now for Yinzo one of those live courses somebody paid the full amount to be in that course she and I were worlds apart as far as our belief systems go and our opinions go and, and those sorts of things but she was there to um, learn about emotional health and, and we found common ground on that and uh, I'll never forget the respect that she showed me just by being there just by being there and allowing me to talk about these sorts of things but anyway I mentioned Methuselah last week now here's the mistake that I made I spoke about Methuselah as she and I made several references to Methuselah, she this and she that and her and um, as the week went on (laughs) I listened to the show after I recorded it and I said what am I doing Methuselah was not a, a woman. Methuselah was a guy. It was a, it was a man. So that's going to undermine my whole my bringing Methuselah up at all is and referring to Methuselah as she is going to undermine in the minds of people who know better that I know what I'm talking about at all. Well let me just tell you that it after I listened to it it did occur to me Methuselah is not a she now I'm gonna explain why I did that because ever since I was a kid I have confused Methuselah for Medusa now you'll know that in Medusa in mythology Medusa was the the lady who had the snakes for hair, and if you looked right at her you'd turn to stone the two names are so uh, similar that I think of Methuselah as a, as a female. And it's just immediately what my brain goes to. Now, I know that Methuselah is a man, but here's another thing that always makes me think of Methuselah as a female. My speak in the Spanish language. When I hear a name that ends in an A, I immediately think that it's, it's a feminine name and so that's what happened last week when I started talking about Methuselah even though I know that Methuselah is a guy, not a girl the the feminine sounding and name and the fact that I always confuse Methuselah for Medusa in mythology immediately put me in that feminine uh, mindset so anyway, Methuselah is not a she Methuselah was a he and Methuselah was um, among, was among the eighth generation of people to walk the earth. Here's some things you might not know about Methuselah. He was Noah's granddaddy. Yeah, did you know that? Methuselah was Noah's granddaddy. Methuselah lived to 969 years old. That's the longest of Bible record. And Methuselah died in... 2,370 BCE, that's 2370, before our common era. Guess what else happened in in the year of 2370 BCE, you uh, Bible reading, God-fearing people. What else happened in the year of 2370 BCE? It was the same year that the flood began. Yeah. But here's the interesting thing. Methuselah apparently died of natural causes, just of old age. Because the Bible did not does not say that Methuselah was uh, annihilated by the flood. It just says that Methuselah died. Somebody here recently said to me, Hey, you're about to... Turn 47, ain't you? And I said, dag gum, why did you have to bring that up? Here's the thing. I don't remember my birthday. I put no value on my birthday. I I don't celebrate my birthday. I've never celebrated my birthday. And so as a result of this, there have been times, I mean, usually, it's almost every year, that my birthday comes and goes, and I don't even realize it came and went. Back in my, oh, I'm gonna say my late twenties. It happened that somebody asked me, "Hey, how old are you?" And I couldn't answer him. I, honest to goodness, could not answer him. And I actually had to do the math. I actually had to figure out. I mean, I actually, I know the year I was born, but I had to take my birthday and do the math up to the point of that year to figure out how old I was. Could not remember. Not even within a five-year window could I guess it right. I I had to do the math. You're going to think I'm making that up. I am not making that up. That is as true as can be. Now, here's the thing. This year, I've spent the entire year believing that I was 47. The whole year. And about a month ago, Um, I don't know what come up or whatever but uh, I mean I think I realized that my birthday was coming up my daughter asked me or something again I did the math and I realized wait a second I'm not 47 I'm 46 now think about what that means it means that I spent my entire year thinking that I was already 47 the entire year now what happens when I turn 47 here in the next few weeks (laughs) well it's going to be like like I stayed the exact same age for two years in a row isn't that pretty cool that is pretty cool so I I won't feel like I'm getting a year older to me it'll be just like I stayed 47 for two years straight isn't that kind of cool it's kind of cool so that's the that's the thing. I'm about to turn forty-seven, but for me, it's not like I'm turning a year older at all because I've already spent the year thinking that I was that age. So it's almost like, like I'm gaining a year on my life because of that mistake. Let's talk about the weak spot in strong things. Are you like me when you? Uh, do you appreciate the quality of the build of a thing? So, for example, when you look, when you go looking for a car, are you looking for a, a really strong truck? A truck that's really strong and, and dependable. How about uh, when you go buy a pair of boots or a watch or something? Are you looking for something that is just bomb-proof? You want it to last and just endure forever and ever and ever? Well, I do that. I really like the quality of things. I would rather spend a little bit more, or even a lot more, on something that's going to last me for decades rather than buy something for less that's going to break on me. So I am in this habit of looking for the weak thing, the weak element in strong things because one thing I've learned is that every strong thing, every really bomb-proof thing that you find in the world, always has a point of weakness which is almost so weak that it's comical I'll give you an example wristwatches now a man buys a wristwatch he wants it to be sturdy and to last a long long time the reason why this comes up is because those of you who are watching this on those of you who (laughs) keep bumping my microphone those of you who are watching this on rumble or on youtube you'll see on the video the the watch that i'm wearing right here love this watch this is a mechanical watch that means no battery it self winds and this is just a reflection of just the hundreds of years of human ingenuity that they can make a watch just by the movement of your wrist powers the watch and so i say well i'd really like something like that you know it's a uh, it's something of real value. It's something I'd like to be able to pass down to maybe uh, my daughter, or maybe even a grandson. So this watch is very nice. It's very well built, but where do you reckon the point of weakness in is in any watch? Well, do you remember that I said that the weak spot in these really strong, well-built things are so weak that it's almost comical? Well, in a watch it's in the pins that hold the band to the watch now when you go shopping for a band so for example you you folks again who are watching me on the video you see that I have this very nice thick leather band on there now I could spend a hundred dollars on just the the leather band try to find the, the most robust powerful band that I can find but here's the thing what has to hold the band to the watch I'm telling you it is a needle sized pin there's a little pin that goes through the band and connects to the the sprockets of the watch that pin is so comically weak you just wouldn't believe it any abrupt movement or uh, if my arm were to get caught in anything at all, those pins would just bend away and just give away in no time. So really, the, all of the, the time that I spend picking out the most robust band, does it matter? Not really. It doesn't really matter because of the pin. Because of the, the weak spot where the, that band, the watch band, comes up and connects to the watch. It's just a little tiny pin with just these little tiny endings there that go into these little tiny holes within that robust watch, holding on that robust watch band. That's the point of weakness in a watch band. Now I want to show you this other watch. You folks who are watch or uh, just listening, this is a Pathfinder, the old Casio Pathfinder. Now I bought this the year of my separation from my ex-wife. I went to uh, Willow Grove there in uh, Philly. Went to the mall in Willow Grove and I spent almost, I think I spent almost $500 for this watch. It's a digital watch. Now again, my focus was on the robustness of this watch. It is a robust watch. Now here's another wonderful thing about this thing, theoretically I never have to change the battery because it's a solar powered watch yes within the face of the watch there is a solar panel in there can you folks see that who are watching this on the video a little solar panel goes right around the face of this watch and that has kept this watch going for 12 years now never had to change the battery never even had to think about changing the battery because it's always at a full charge I'll tell you uh, when I was going through so, shortly after my divorce, and I had moved to uh, New England, I lost my job, my, the first job that I got in New England, I lost, and I was living on unemployment there for a long time. And I will tell you this, that I failed to get outside, I failed to be exposed to sunshine for so long that this watch did go down, the, the, the battery power of this watch dipped down to a dangerous level. And I realized, wait a 2nd am I? I'm turning into some kind of vampire. I was just so depressed that I wasn't going outside at all. I was just hiding in my apartment, and uh, didn't I had no reason to go out. I I had uh, I would go out to the supermarket, pick up some grub, bring that back, and then I was inside for the whole week. I was just so depressed and so down that I had no desire to go out and be outside. and be doing things outside and I really couldn't anyway cuz I couldn't afford it so at that was the time where (laughs) it's remarkable because because this watch depends on sunlight you mean you gotta get out and be around it's gotta get exposed to sunlight over the normal course of a week at least some in order for it to maintain its its battery power I was so depressed and so isolated I had turned into such a hermit that the that this watch was on the verge of of losing its power. So it just occurred to me to tell you that. Anyway, on this watch, the real weak spot on it. We're talking about the weak spot of powerful things. Now you look at this thing. The band is made out of like this canvas, like this really strong cotton canvas. It's got these leather accents and stuff here's the problem when this uh, watch band breaks the watch will only take this band I cannot use just any band on this watch so eventually it does give out and it breaks and just the design of it is not the design of like any other watch where the band comes up and inside the prongs of of the watch on this watch the band comes up on the outside of the prongs. And it, this design is the Achilles heel. It's the, it's the weak spot of this watch. So you get the watch, you think, well, it's solar power, it's going to last me forever, it's never going to give out on me, it's built like a bomb-proof shelter. <laughs> and then the band breaks on you. And then guess what? Because the watch is 12 years old, finding a replacement band for this thing is impossible. I have to go on eBay and spend an ungodly amount of money just to replace this band. Do you see, are you starting to see the benefit of taking time to look at something that appears so sturdy and strong and robust and just taking the time to try and identify what is the weak spot? What is the Achilles heel of this thing? is this watch worth $500? I'd have to say no. I'd have to say no because of the design of the band. If the band had been designed so that I could just fit any $5 band on it easily, I would say absolutely. But something tells me that Casio specifically designed this thing so that you spend $500 and then you have to spend $50 on a band every three or four years so I'd have to say no it's not worth what I paid for it let's talk about pickup trucks fellas you love your pickup trucks don't you big old beefy pickup trucks with the huge monster wheels big loud engine you know it makes loud and proud we call it around here you, you, you want people to hear you coming from two miles away and you look at these pickup trucks or you look at a jeep or you look at some off-road vehicle and you go man that thing's a monster it is just bomb proof it it looks like it could go anywhere just look at those wheels well I'll tell you this what is the the weakness what is the weak spot on one of these really great looking off-road vehicles what is the weak spot well there's two the first one is the axle do you know what the axle is the axle is the the bar that runs underneath the vehicle and connects the two wheels so you've got a wheel on each side right now think about how a person will spend so much money putting their 4x4 on a big massive beefy really impressive looking tire Is the tire really the thing that you have to focus on that will get you through anything, that will get you over any obstacle, that will get you through any layer of mud? No. No, it's the axle. Where does the axle fall in relation to a wheel? It falls in the middle. So when you're looking at a big monster, if you're looking at a truck, a big beefy truck, and you say, man, that thing will go anywhere. Well, it won't. I'll tell you that, it won't. It has its limits. And what is the thing that determines an off road vehicle's limits? It's the axle. And the axle is half the size of the wheel. If an axle won't pass through mud, it, it, if you get in the mud that is over the axles, you're screwed. If you try to cr- cross over, let's say, a, a downed tree, and the tree jams up against your axle on your truck. You're not getting through. Isn't that amazing? You look at we we focus on the tires and say, "Man, look how big those tires are! Wow, the thing will go anywhere." And look at the tread, right? We we say, "Look at the tread on the tire. That that t- that tire will get you anywhere." Not if you can't clear the axle. The axle is the weak spot. Now, there's a point to all this. We're going to get to it. But there's a couple other things I want to show you. This boot. This is a Keen boot. For you folks who are just listening, I'm holding up a boot. It's a robust boot. Got some monster tread on the bottom of it. I use these. Uh, these are kind of everyday shoes, work shoes. But I have another pair of Keens just like this that I use for backpacking in the woods. You say to yourself, well, okay, these cost 100 let's say $150 I don't think they cost that much but let's say they cost $150 those boots will last and forever they'll last forever and they'll get me anywhere they'll take all sorts of abuse won't they well what is the weak spot on this boot the weak spot is the sole do you know how soles are attached to boots nowadays by glue I ain't making that up they are not sewed on there this whole bottom portion this whole rubber monster tread sole on this leather boot is held on there by glue now it's strong glue but it's just glue and once that glue gets to a certain age it's going to start coming off and then the whole this whole huge rubber Base of this boot will just flip and flop and come right off there. That's true. I'll tell you another thing I know about these boots. My brother and my buddy Jeff one winter, I think it was in November or January, I can't remember which we were hiking through Virginia Uh, no, sorry, Maryland hiking through Maryland and it was uh, 8 degrees. It was freezing way below freezing. Alexa what's 8 degrees fahrenheit in celsius eight degrees fahrenheit is minus 13.33 degrees celsius okay so 13 degrees celsius through maryland and at night we were trying to air out our socks and our boots and so we had this really nice fire going and we had our boots we took off our socks and our boots and we propped them up near the fire not against the fire just near the fire do you know what happened The rubber soles of our boots caught fire, but not with a flame. They burned slow, like coal burns slow. Like you... Like, I'll tell you what it was like. um, You know those snakes that you can buy at 4th of July? Uh, They're these little black things, and you light them, and they just... They kind of, like, turn into carbon snakes. Well, when you get the bottom of these boots too hot they they start to burn but not in a way that there's any flame they just burn and burn and burn like a wick and that's what I did to a pair of boots like this it burnt the soles right through right through so you say wow, this indestructible boot here is just made so well can take all sorts of abuse Well, no, it can't. It really can't. And this sort of thing's difficult because you look at it, and just by looking at it, you'd never know that. You'd never that would never occur to you. Only through experience do you figure out what the weakness is in something like this. All right, one last thing here, this water bottle. This is a NATO water bottle. I use them all the time. This is my favorite water bottle to take out into the woods indestructible yes it's made out of plastic but this is the type of plastic that they say "Oh, this thing is things bomb-proof it is bomb-proof you could drop this thing out in the driveway run over it with your truck and guess what the thing would would be okay it, it'll last forever the bottle will but what is the weak spot on the bottle there are two the first weak spot is this tab holding the lid on. And for those of you who just are just listening, this is a black water bottle that I'm holding up. They use this in the British Army from what, from what I understand. So the lid, the bottle itself is made of very robust plastic and it, it just take all sorts of abuse. But the the lid is held on also with a little plastic tab here. Now here's what I'll tell you what will happen when it gets too cold outside or when the bottle gets a little age on it what you'll do is you'll go take the lid off and tilt that cap back so you can drink from it and that will snap right off that will snap right off and that's what happened here to the oldest bottle like this that I have which I'll show you Uh, that snapped right off so what I had to do was I had to tie a string on there in place of that plastic thing that holds the lid to the bottle. Now here's the second Achilles heel of this bottle. Does the lid hold the water in there from leaking? No, it don't. What else has to be inside that lid to keep it from leaking? The rubber seal inside the lid. What happens to a rubber seal over time, and especially in the cold? It wears out. So. Yes, the bottle itself is seemingly bomb-proof, but but what is the Achilles heel of the bottle? Because the bottle is only as bomb-proof as its weakest point. It's the same way with this boot. This boot is only as strong and as dependable as its weakest point. Same thing with the watch I'm wearing. The watch is only as dependable and as bomb-proof as what? as its weakest element and that's true for everything The pickup truck oh i was gonna tell you the other thing about four by fours when was it about four years ago i went to the grocery store in the middle of the night in a snowstorm and snow coming down real good and i thought well it's no big deal because i'm driving this four by four i can get around anywhere right? just stick it in four-wheel drive and I can I can go anywhere that night I run into the grocery store come back out got into the the bacon the Jeep looked at the snow that had accumulated and I said no problem i no problem I'll pull right out of here went to stick my Jeep in four-wheel drive I, I felt something pop and nothing could not get my Jeep in gear not at all it's a stick So I could not get my Jeep in gear at all. And so I'm just stuck there sitting in the parking lot with the the bacon. It won't go forward. It won't go backward. And uh, so I had to call somebody, a tow truck. They come out, had to have that towed. Guess what I found out about the four-wheel drive? When you move when you go to move from two-wheel drive into four-wheel drive what you're doing is you are shifting there is a uh, a cable that runs from the the gear shift to make that happen a cable that runs underneath your vehicle to make that happen it's just like um, if you're riding a a bicycle that has gears on it when you go to shift the gears how does that happen it happens from the cables that are run, running from the gear shift to to the rest of the bike so what is the weak spot on a 4x4 it's the cables that allow you to shift in the 4 wheel drive that's it if that cable snaps or in this case what had happened was it got all iced up and that's what happened it got frozen and it it broke because of the extreme temperatures the extreme conditions the ice built up underneath, and and it snapped. So I had to have that go. Had to go and have that repaired. Now think about that. The conditions where you would absolutely depend on your four-wheel drive, and the cable that I depend on to shift into four-wheel drive could not handle it. It broke. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? There are other times where four-wheel drive is con- is convenient, but in the moment when I really needed it, I really needed it. I was depending on it. It let me down. What is the weak spot on a 4 x 4 on a four-by-four truck, or jeep, or off-road vehicle? Well, in the case of my jeep, I don't know about yours, or on your truck, it was that cable. I had to have it completely replaced on another day I, that night um, it just so happened that a cousin of mine was driving by and saw me I, I'm telling you it was like 11 o'clock at night and he happened to recognize me in the dark through the pouring snow and pulled over and said hey is that you Brian and I said "He yeah, asked me hey you need a ride and that, he saved me I was going to have to walk um, in those conditions, but that's what happened. So always trying to determine what the weak spots are in any given thing. I'm always studying things. I want it to be robust and powerful and in and, and durable. But just in the like in the case of a watch, if the watch itself is super durable and the band itself is super durable, ...but the thing that you connect the band to... ...to the watch is not durable at all... ...then the whole watch is not... ...the whole wrist watch is not durable. Now, if you don't mind using it as a pocket watch... ...that's a whole other thing. But I'm saying that as a wrist watch... ...that one weakness... ...makes the whole unit... uh, ...as a whole... ...completely weak. So... ...I told you there was a point to all this. I'm always trying to study the weak spot I'm always trying to identify what is the weak spot in this thing right and I just do this and I just do this uh, probably a lot of it is comes from me being out in the woods you know when I when I prepare a bag to go into the woods I'm trying to prepare a bomb proof bag like no no matter what circumstance I find myself in I will have the tool that I need or at least can take something else and make it fit my purpose for any situation I find myself in and it's impossible it's almost impossible I mean it's fun I love doing it but what I'm saying is that every time I go out I see a weakness in my in my approach to the thing well how about in emotional health it is impossible when you escape an emotional disorder for real authentically to ever go back to having specifically an emotional disorder it's just impossible There, will, and I'll tell you why because I will never be three years old again I'll never be three years old again and nobody will ever have another opportunity to convince me to perceive erroneously the fundamental things that cause emotional disorder so I'll never find myself in that situation again that is the cause of emotional disorder it is, a, it is a predictable pattern of dealing with a misunderstanding about the fundamental nature of feelings and self. And I'll never find myself in that situation again. But even though it's impossible for me to ever go back to having an emotional disorder specifically, is it possible for me to allow myself to become emotionally unhealthy in general? yes that's always a possibility i could always if i'm not careful i could always adopt new unhealthy attitudes they wouldn't create in me an emotional disorder but they could but i could adopt unhealthy attitudes and approaches to life and thinking that would contribute to emotional unhealth not emotional disorder because emotional disorder is a patterned thing it is a predictable patterned thing built off a misunderstanding of the fundamental nature of feelings and self you know i know what the fundamental nature of feelings and self are now and nothing is going to convince me otherwise but how about just interactions with people dealings with people um how about this? How about not being mindful and getting caught up in things and, or environments that aren't good for me, that are just robbing me of inner peace and happiness? It's unhealthy, right? Definitely I could get caught up in those sorts of things. So in my life, I'm always studying it to try to recognize the weak spots in my thinking or in my personality or in my approach to life what, what are your weak spots? something that I'm always always trying to be mindful of I'll tell you one of my weak spots My one of my weak spots is exhaustion the disturbing trends that I see in the world sometimes uh, financial stress these sorts of things the limitations that I have as a person, just the energy that I have. There are other things that I need to do, right? Other than just this work. Um, there are other obligations that I have. There are obligations to myself and to uh, my daughter, to friends. And, and before I know it, I'm just exhausted. That is an Achilles heel for me. Getting exhausted. When I get exhausted, I get moody. When I'm exhausted, I... I can't think as clearly as I can at other times. I'll tell you another thing about getting exhausted is that what I know is important stops seeming important when I get exhausted. Does that happen to you? So for example, it's very important to me when I'm well rested and clear minded to um, not snap at my daughter. What happens when you get exhausted or you're feeling bad? Or you're just worn out, and you're tired, or you haven't you haven't given yourself enough time uh, to yourself. What happens? Snapping at somebody doesn't seem as, or, or failing to preventing yourself from snapping at somebody doesn't seem as so important as it did when you were arrested, does it? It kind of feels like it's a little bit more justified because I'm really tired. <laughs> or I'm hungry or I don't feel good that's a Achilles heel for me think about that alright now let's do some announcements thelastsymptom.com is my website for free and paid resources the paid resources and the donation arrangement allows me to continue doing this work uh... what else paid resources are one-on-one phone calls with me and one-on-one zoom video conferences with me and then there's the last symptom fundamentals course it's a it's pre-recorded and it works with your own schedule and it addresses all the fundamental topics and insights that you need truly you know if you approach the thing with the right frame of mind with the right motives all the information in that course is everything you need to set down your own foundation for authentic and permanent recovery from emotional disorders borderline personality disorder being the one that I speak about the most through the course but it applies to others too Um, Last Symptom group now is on Locals, the Locals platform L-O-C-A-L-S dot com you can join us there by going to thelastsymptom.locals.com or you can download the Locals.com app from the app store and just search for The Last Symptom by Brian Barnett one thing i want to address here has to do with this finding the weak spot and things is this part of recovery is the wisdom to not put yourself in situations that are beyond what you can withstand so this goes hand in hand with this whole conversation about finding the weak spot when you're in a conversation and you feel yourself starting to get riled up and and somebody's really said something in a conversation that's really put a hair in your biscuit are you mindful enough to recognize that that has put a hair in your biscuit it's really riled you up that is the time to say right, let's change the subject or you know what I'm going to take a walk or any number of things the whole point of it is you recognize that that is your weak spot now what are you going to do about it well, if you're smart, you'll get yourself out of that environment. You'll, you'll have an exit door, an exit strategy. You want to get out. The Part of, you know, a, a great big part of staying emotionally healthy is not that you can just endure whatever is thrown at you. No, a lot of it happens up here in your brain, in your your mind. Are you smart enough to recognize that it is testing you? it is straining you if you're smart enough for that well you can get yourself out of there I like to say well uh, you know a woman says I can trust my husband I trust her completely he'll be faithful to me no matter what well is that guy spending every night at the strip bar no that's not why she can trust him why can she trust her husband so much because he's not putting himself in those circumstances to begin with. That's why she can trust him. The man is trustworthy not because he can endure every single situation, but rather because he doesn't even put himself in those situations. Or when he does find himself in situations that he recognizes are his weak spot. You know, he, it's like the the needle holding the. The wristband to the watch—that's my needle. That's that's the weak spot. That's where my watch will give away, if if I put put it under too much pressure. He gets out of there, or he avoids it altogether. I th- remember a time where a buddy of mine, his name's Mike. I've talked about him before in uh, episodes in the past, but uh, big, a friend of mine, great friend of mine. lived up north Uh, black guy when when I was uh, 18 I met Mike and the reason why I mentioned he's black is because his whole background and everything is just different than mine and things that he dealt with you know different than than what I grew up dealing with and his upbringing Unique to what I grew up with and and I loved that about him. I love that we could be friends, and could I bond on so many things, even though our life stories were so different. but he told me a story where he had been out at a bar drinking and some guys said some things to him, and they almost got into a fight, but they didn't quite get into a fight and then he he told me that he separated from the guy. Somebody broke them up. I think they were about to get into a fight outside this bar. And Mike went out to his car. Had a brick in the car. A brick. Got the brick. Come up to the guy and he threw that brick and hit him right in the side of the head with it. And it knocked him out cold. It was so violent. I, I would never, I said, do anything like that. When he told me the story, I was shocked. Like, Mike, what the heck were you thinking? Now, in his defense, when he was telling me this, he was telling me a story that had happened like 20 years earlier. So he wasn't still hitting people with bricks. It, it, it bothered him, too. I could tell when he was telling me the story that it was something that bothered him, too. But I remember telling him, like, man, I, I can't believe you even got to that point. I, I could never do anything like that but, never say, never if we allow ourselves to get into the right circumstances especially if we're still emotionally unhealthy many things that we think we could never do we could do there was an experience I had early on in my recovery, I'd say two years into my authentic recovery I was seeing a, a girl and uh, the she had a friend and the friend didn't like me without going into too much detail he did something that was just rotten to me rotten to me now I was drunk that night but it and it, yes that is a relevant detail because I wouldn't have done it if I if I weren't drunk Uh, but the offense I took so, uh, so much harsher than if I had not been drunk and that night I drove to his place in the middle of the night I looked him up on the internet I tried to find where he lived I found what I thought was his home and I drove to his home in the middle of the night was on his doorstep pounding on his door ready to break the door down and I I was going to hurt him I was really going to hurt him and I'm not that type of a guy I'm not a violent person but I was so offended by the way that he had treated me that night and I don't again I don't want to go into the details right now about what exactly he did but it just it was a total slap in the face Left me totally stranded, and I just could not believe it. I could not believe what he had done to me, um, and I took tremendous offense. And I just was not going to be happy until I got my revenge on him. And I was I was ready to hurt him that night. If I had had a brick, I would have I would have hurt him. Now, I got through that experience, and I sobered up. And I went on to recover and get healthy and healthier and healthier and healthier to where I am today to the point where I look back at that and think, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm so glad. By the way, he never did come to the door, and it turned out that I was at the wrong house. And whoever was in that house didn't come to the door. Can you imagine? I could have been shot right through the door that night, and they would have been justified in doing that. Because I was a threat. I was a, a drunken threat. So I think back to that and I think, well, that was the that was the weak spot. That was the weak spot early in my recovery. And I had this overconfidence that I could not be shaken that way, or that I could not reach that level of anger and hatred for another person. But I did. I reached my weak spot, my Achilles heel on that night, how much better it would have been and wiser in that level of my recovery if I had not allowed myself to even get into that situation, right? At that time, I was still living with an expectation of people, like um, a a denial, a denial of reality. There, There are no people who are just... Evil and that will do evil things. Well, that night I learned <laughs> there there are. But if I had gone into that situation knowing that there are evil people, people will do some really evil things to you. Um, you can't just trust everybody. That like not everybody who's friendly to you is your friend. So those are things I know now, but that early on in my recovery, boy. I did find the weak spot. I did find the needle between the watch band and the watch. I did find the the glue holding on the sole of my boot. And I wore it out. And I'm just so fortunate, so fortunate and grateful that nothing really terrible happened that night. But but think about the conversation I had with Mike, my friend, Uh, 10 years earlier, at least 10 years earlier where he told me the story by hitting a guy in the head with a brick. It could have killed him. And me saying to him, Mike, just in total shock, Mike, how could you even reach that? How could you even allow yourself to get to that? I, I could never. I could never do that. And 10 years pass or more, and I did get there. I did get there under the right conditions many things we think we would never do we could do so it is very important for all of us to pay attention to what is the weak spot in anything in the, the stuff you're buying but also in your personal life what is the weak spot in my health in my emotional health in my peace where, where is that weak spot How can I strengthen it? How can I avoid certain situations altogether? It's very important. So we're out of time. I wanted to tell you some stories and everything like that. I just got so windy tonight and um, the last thing I'll show you is this. Do you know what that is? It's a cut off picture that I'm showing folks on the video of a honey dipper. Now how many of yuns, just like me have seen these honey dippers, it's a stick with like a a knob at the end that has grooves in it you see them in commercials and stuff and you go now why in the world do they use that with honey? Have you ever wondered that? Well it's because of this the viscosity of honey the way it drips if you just use a spoon and you stick a spoon into a, a jar of honey and you pour that out like you pour that out over cereal then the whole glob just comes right off the spoon but these honey dippers somewhere somebody, somewhere along the line discovered that if you if you take a stick and you take a knob at the end and you cut some grooves into it like that that the honey, its viscosity, is really controllable. It will just pour off of that honey dipper in just the right way that you can control it with a really nice effect. So I thought you folks might find that interesting. The stories that I had to tell you, will just have to wait until next week. Plan to do something nice for yourselves this weekend, folks. Until then, until I see you next week, take care.